23 NBA draft order was set last night. And uh, for our first look at uh, this year's draft, out to the KDUS hotline we go. We're now joined in sports um, by Isaac Trotter of 24-7 Sports. And Isaac, good to have you on the show. And I'm going with Victor W. That's uh, how we're going to call this, from France. Uh, I've seen a lot of uh, you know highlight videos. Those always look good. I know you've uh, watched much more than I have. So w- what is impression the most from Victor? Yeah, Wimbenyama is you know, arguably the best prospect since LeBron. You could make a case he's just as good or better at prospect than LeBron, just a, a generational type talent. And, you know, the thing that I really love about him is the defense. You know, he's seven foot four. He has an enormous wingspan that's close to eight feet. He just changes the entire, like, complexion of your defense, both at the rim, his ability to move his feet out on the perimeter. He's, he's really an alien. You look at him and you're like, how is this guy human? He just doesn't look like the rest of us. He just looks different. He's in that 99th percentile in so many different aspects of his game. And I have no doubt that he has an ability to come in and immediately become one of the impact defenders. And, I, you know, I think a lot of people will look at his highlights and see, a, you know, a seven foot four, seven foot five guy with these pull up jumpers and these deep threes. And that's super impressive. But I think defensively is a chance to be all defense right away. You know, you see the impact that Rudy Gobert has on, on the defensive end of the floor. Like, I think he could be even better than that. And Rudy Gobert is a multiple defensive player of the year. So he's just an incredible, incredible talent. And San Antonio Spurs lucked out in the lottery yesterday, and they have an unbelievable talent on their way to San Antonio. Because, you know, it's all but done. Like, everybody knows that's the number one pick. Wemby is going to San Antonio. So the Spurs, as you mentioned, won the rights to draft him last night. Seems to be the perfect match. Do uh, you agree with that? And also, I, I guess, is Pop's going to coach forever now, huh? Basically, right? You get David Robinson, then you get Tim Duncan, and now you get Victor <laughs> Wembanyama, and he's the next one in the list. And, you know, I think you look at this San Antonio roster and you like a lot of the younger pieces. Devin Bissell is a nice piece. Kelda Johnson is a nice piece. Jeremy Sochan was terrific as a rookie last year. You see a lot of these nice little pieces. But they needed a dude, and now they got one. And I think Pop is a, a perfect coach for him obviously and I think Victor Wembenyama really wanted to go to San Antonio as well I think you could have made a case that Portland would have been really fun to go team up with Damian Lillard um, but I think I think San Antonio is a perfect landing spot for him and you know it's a bit funny how you know back in the day when when San Antonio tanked to try to get you know uh when they tried to go get Tim Duncan it worked out and yeah. now they're kind of you know history is repeating itself a little bit with Wembenyama yeah so what do you think his biggest adjustment's going to be moving to the NBA yeah, I think the the big thing is just his shot selection could get a little bit iffy during his time uh, overseas. Obviously, he was terrific and, and very productive, but I think there were times where he was just trying to see what he could get away with. So you see, like, these step-back follow-away threes and stuff like that. And I think San Antonio will rein that in a little bit and maybe getting him to take more high-efficient shots, not necessarily having to be the, the high-impact creator. But I think the other thing, too, is just his body. That's that's really the big question mark. You know, big guys, we've seen it a long time. There's a long history of injuries. And, you know, you, you don't want to project an injury onto a, a, a talented kid like this or Wimbanyama. But I think there is a question about stuff like that. But I think reigning in his shot selection, you know, finding his position will be key. Is he a five? Is he really more of a mismatch four? Is he a playmaking five? Like, what, what type of role is that, that that they really want from him? And, and just seeing how his body develops and grows because he's still so young. It's like there's so much more room for his body to develop and change. And it's going to be fascinating to see what he looks like in two, three years. And, you know, Woj on the broadcast last night talking about how they think he could be, you know, arguably the best player in the league in three years. Maybe that's a little bit 
of hyperbole, but I don't think it's necessarily crazy to think that he could be, you know, as impactful as any young player that we've seen in, in the past few decades. And, you know, the history of number one picks leading their team to a playoff first and it right away is, is pretty rare. So I wouldn't expect San Antonio to be in the mix for a playoff first right away yet, depending on what they do. But, you know, he immediately makes them relevant and they were anything but relevant last season. After he's obviously the number one pick, I'm curious, the the lottery level players after that, is, is that a deep group, the lottery level group of guys? Yeah, it feels like there's, you know, Victor Wembanyama's in his own tier. But afterward, Scoot Henderson is a, an incredible second uh, choice. I think there's a really good chance for the Charlotte Hornets to team up with LaMelo Ball and you add Scoot Henderson, Henderson to that mix. So, you know, I think you look at LaMelo, he's a, a really good three-point shooter, and obviously he's going to get to the rim for layups. And Scoot's a little bit different because he has a just a downhill attack and he can get to that mid-range pull-up. So I really like him. He's a super, super explosive. Brandon Miller, the kid out of Alabama, he's a little bit older. There's some off-the-court stuff that they have to kind of pilfer through and see if it works out. But I think you really like the six foot nine ability to shoot it from three. He, he played a lot of point guard at times for Alabama last year. He played in a very NBA scheme last year on both ends of the floor, so you feel good about him. You know, the Thompson twins are are super, super bouncy. There are questions about their jumper, but you like him. And they, they felt like they're maybe in that next tier. I think you kind of go scoot. And you go Brandon Miller as like that next tier after Wembenyama. And then it's like the Thompson twins. Cam Whitmore is a personal favorite of mine. So it feels like this draft feels like there's there's five or six really, really talented players up the top. And then there's a little bit of a dip afterwards. Talking with Isaac Trotter of 24-7 Sports as we look at the draft. Uh, you know, the, the Pistons obviously end up you know, sliding down to number five. Is there a huge difference between two and five in this draft, in your opinion? I do. I do think that there is a huge difference between two and five because Scoot would be a phenomenal addition for any team. And I think that there's a lot of people <laughs> that would, that would you know, view Scoot Henderson as a number one caliber player in a draft if, if, if Victor Wimbanyama wasn't in the mix, right? But I think the Pistons, you know, it is a gut check to move down to five and I do think, though, the pivot is is pretty sustainable. If they can get Cam Whitmore at five, I would feel really good about that. He is six seven, chiseled, just explosive off the floor, big time dunker. You see his impact at the rim. You know, he he walks into the stadium or into a gym, and he immediately looks like one of the most chiseled players on the floor. While other guys that are older than him, just don't even look like him yet. So he's a little bit different in that regard. And you put him with Cade Cunningham and Jaden Ivey. That's a talented young trio that you'd feel really good about. So if Detroit, you know, they're reeling right now, not getting the, you know, a higher pick or a chance at Wemby, but if they can get Whitmore at five or say Brandon Miller drafts after they're off the court issues, maybe that scares some teams off. I feel like they'd feel pretty good about it after draft day. You mentioned Miller effect. I was going to ask about him next. Obviously his, you know, I'm going to call it his controversial situation in Alabama. How much do you think that alters the opinion of the NBA decision makers? Yeah, I think it's a factor. I don't know if it's the factor, but I think it is a factor. And I think a lot of teams are doing their homework on him right now. And, you know, I didn't think Alabama handled that situation very well last year, to be honest. You know, they, they bungled Agreed. that in yes. multiple in, yeah. in multiple um, circumstances. They, they really bungled it. I think Nate Oates did not help Brandon Miller in that scenario. But, mm-hmm. you know, as they've gone through the draft process, who knows where it's coming from? It's probably from Brandon Miller's camp. A lot of the latest, you know, news around that thing is that, the teams have done the research and they've realized that, you know, Brandon Miller seems like a pretty bright kid. He seems like a, a good person and they don't expect this to be, you know, something that continues to happen. So 
I, I don't know. It's, it's tough. I think it's to each their own in that regard. I think if I was a general manager looking at that situation and, you know, it was close between Brandon Miller and Whitmore, Brandon Miller and Scoot Henderson, I think it would be, you know, feasible to avoid that headache if you, if you like another guy just as much. You know what I mean? You mentioned Whitmore a couple of times. Yeah, he had some injury issues at Villanova to start the year. He certainly improved during the season. His supporting cast got better during the season last year, too, because Villanova had other injuries. Convince me a little more on Whitmore here. Yeah, I think the what you're buying into is that he's still super young. He's only 18, and you think that defensively he could be an all-NBA caliber defender one day, uh, and then you add in that offensive game where – He's just so powerful. And, you know, one thing, I, you know, the Villanova year was up and down and iffy, but still even late in the season, he still had some really, really intriguing bursts where he's driving to the rim and finishing over multiple guys at the rim with two-hand jams and no one can keep in his way. And he's just, he's just like kind of what you want of like that two-way wing moving forward in the NBA. That's what everybody craves. But I think the other, the other thing is earlier, before he even got to Villanova, he's playing for Team USA, their under-16 team playing for the gold medal. And there's five stars all over the floor. And Whitmore just is the best player on the floor by far. You know, there's there's guys going to Indiana or Oregon or, you know, some of these top Duke and, and top schools in the country. And Whitmore just head and shoulders the best player. So I think you kind of look at it as like he's a project with a really, really high floor because of his defense. And, you know, the jumper was a something that continued to improve. And if, if he can kind of add a little bit more fluidity to his game along with all that power, all that, you know, that just that room room that he kind of has, I think you could feel really, really good about what his ceiling could be. Keontae George, I've seen him on some you know, projected top 10 lists, and I think it's safe and accurate to say that he was MIA more than occasionally at Baylor. Is that, am I looking at this wrong, or is that maybe a concern for some NBA execs? Yeah, no, that's definitely a concern. And I think when you look at Keontae George, the talent as a ball handler and the play creator is, is dazzling. But his decision-making as a freshman was pretty off you know there'd be times where he's pulling up for 30 foot jumpers with 21 seconds left on the shot clock and scott drew has his hands up on the sideline going like hey hey we like could run a little bit of offense like we could do anything but that we can take that shot whenever so i think those are the decision making things that that's a real thing but his ability his ability to score can't be you know can't be questioned at all and i think that there is some defensive there is some defensive spurt there that you kind of like but you know, in the NBA, like, Keontae George is not going to get a 28% usage rate his freshman year, like or his rookie year, like he did his freshman year at Baylor. He's going to have to learn how to buy in a role, do his job. And if he can prove to, you know, decision makers, both in the meetings this week at the NBA Combine and moving forward, that, hey, I'm, I'm willing to be, you know, buy in and play even with harder effort on the defensive end. And, hey, I want to, you know, buy in and, and take the good shots, right, and not necessarily force my own offense. I think there could be an opportunity where he's, a, he's an impactful rookie as a, microwave second unit score and maybe a guy who can start learning learning and earning some of those closing minutes if he can really lock in on the defense then Jarris walker i actually thought he was like the most improved player in college basketball in my eyes at least from the start of the season to the end of his freshman year what's the consensus opinion of walker no i love him i love him great passer really good playmaker huge wingspan i think he has six eight like a seven foot two wingspan I think you love the idea of what he could be. Uh, his shooting, especially as the season progressed, got better, shot close to 35% from three, and he's just chiseled. And the defensive um, you know, game plan that, that 
Houston had under Kelvin Sampson was terrific, one of the best defenses in all of college basketball. And Walker was really a big piece of that, guarding multiple positions. You know, he's one of the guys that's coming over to double team and gets his hands on a lot of balls. He's just getting a ton of deflections and able to spark transition, and, and he's able to handle it a little bit out in transition. So I, I really love what he could potentially be. I don't know if he's necessarily an all-star or like a, you know, a 10-time all-star and like is going to be making – you know, millions upon millions of dollars, but I do think that he can be a high-level role player right away, and then you kind of just see what he, his body turns into because he's just so big and so strong. He just looks different than most college freshmen. Beyond the lottery, you know, basically the second half of the first round here, is that a deep group heading into the, uh, you know, the rest of the first, rounding out the first round? Is that a deep group? Yeah, it's interesting. I think you have some pretty uh, big risks that you're potentially taking on talented guys. I look at Dariq Whitehead, a kid from Duke who was a five-star prospect. He had a really injury-riddled freshman year. Jalen hood Shafino, another five-star prospect. And we've seen instances where those young five-star recruits who maybe don't have the full freshman year that you necessarily expect could be pretty good values late in that first round. So I look at them. I look at Bryce Sensabaugh from Ohio State, just a bucket getter. He, If you look up bucket getter in the doc, in the dictionary, Bryce Sensabaugh's picture is right there. He is <laughs> phenomenal. And he's going to be just an unbelievable scorer from day one. Now you have questions about everything else. Can he defend? Can he, can he, you know, is he a passer? Can he play make? All of those things. But I think there's some really talented guys near the end that are productive in college. But I think there's still a lot of questions about, you know, what they will be moving forward. You might have just mentioned a couple of those guys, but you know, are there a couple of players that have a, a a big chance to rise or fall between now and draft night? Yeah, you know, I think a, a big potential faller right now is Jet Howard out of Michigan. Top 50 recruit, uh, can really shoot it. You like some of the offensive uh, ability that he has, but I think there are real questions about his buy-in on the defensive end. You know, um, his off-ball defense is pretty rough. His on-ball defense is even more suspect. So he's kind of fallen down the ranks a little bit, and he really has lots of work to do. You know, the other guy that I continue to look at as a potential riser is Dariq Whitehead. Like you said, like, you know, the injury is a big question, but, like, you're banking on, you know, hey, last year was more of a blip. He's a big-time athlete when he gets fully healthy. You know, if we're using a late first-round pick or a mid-first-round pick, you know, that pick in general, you're kind of hoping to get a role player. Well, you could get a star if Dariq Whitehead kind of lives back up to the height. I mean, he was the number two player in, his, in this class. He was supposed to be mm-hmm. in the lottery pick conversation, and you could potentially get him for a discount because, you know, the knee injuries, the inconsistent time at Duke, barely getting to practice, got hurt before the season, got hurt during the season, surgery after the season. Like, that's a lot. Like, that's a lot for a freshman to handle. And he still has as high an upside as a ton of guys in this draft. And we just you know, don't really get to talk about him too much just because of, you know, just the injuries and that, you know, how his freshman season totally got derailed. Okay, last topic, and I think I know the answer to these questions, but any Pac-12 player a possibility for the lottery? And if not, who's the best Pac-12 prospect? Yeah, I think that um, I I love Jaime Jaquez from UCLA. I think he's one of my favorite players in this draft. And I think if you get him, you know immediately that he is going to be, you know, an impact piece for you, whether that's a role player coming off the bench, all of those different things. Like, I, I think he's phenomenal, I, and I really do. I think that, that the Pac-12, though, is really interesting, like looking at these UCLA guys, like Adam Bona, Jalen Clark, Amari Bailey, all of those guys, along with Hawkes, those four could potentially be first and second round picks, but it's really like 
what else are you getting from them? Like, will, you know, Amari Bailey decide to go back to school? Will Adam Bona decide, hey, I want a second year at UCLA? You know, and so, like, those are all of those impactful pieces. I think Azulis Tabellis was phenomenal for Arizona last year. But I don't know how much he's helped himself out of the NBA Combine today is five-on-five scrimmages. He has to be great today in order to, to make a big jump up the, the rankings just because, you know, his, his perimeter game still leaves a lot to be desired. But I have all eyes on Jaime Hawkins, one of my favorite players in college basketball. I think any team that drafts him is super smart and is getting a winning, valuable player from day one. And as far as Tabellus, Isaac, I don't know. I don't have game. I don't know if you have any game, but I'm pretty sure that he can't guard either of us. So there you go. Um, <laughs> yeah. yeah. He's not a good defender. All right, Isaac, good stuff. Hey, I look forward to talking to you throughout the draft process. This has been great. Anytime. Thanks, man. Thank you. Should never say any time to a talk show host. Okay, Isaac Trotter of 24 7 